Lord, my wonderful friends, welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. A welcome to Big Q&A. Now, this is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary. I'm pastor to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church right here in the beautiful, or well, today, very cold, uh, city of Adelaide. Uh, I'm also presenter of Drive Time every Tuesday and Wednesday normally, but this week, of course, on Thursday, I'm replacing our good mate, uh, Pastor Fabiano, who can't make it in today. So uh, uh, this week, uh, you've uh, got uh, got Pastor Gary uh, Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, now, folks, uh, this week, uh, we've been following the theme, the Bible, the church and the environment. And what a week uh, this really has been. We've been dealing with just so much. Uh, we've been getting so much uh, wonderful feedback. And thank you so much to those of you who have actually written in and responded to us. Uh, now, this week we've been asking, you know, why why won't green political solutions, why don't they work? And then yesterday we looked at that issue of Laudate Diem, uh, the Pope's most recent apostolic exhortation and asked is that the answer and today uh, we're going to be uh, digging into the the subject Uh, what does it mean to be a faithful environmental steward Uh, if politics is not the answer then what does it really mean to be a faithful steward of the environment now, look, folks, if you'd like to comment, if you'd like to ask a question, why not do that today? Uh, all you've got to do is to come to our drive time text number uh, and uh, and you can share a thought with us. And uh, that number, of course, is 04888-80811. In fact, why not actually program it into your phone, uh, 04888-80811. Then all you've got to hit the uh, uh, is the one button, just name it drive time, and uh, you can comment on any uh, of our programs. We would love to have you uh, come and, and join with us. Uh, so if you'd like to comment, if you want to ask a question, if you want to give some feedback, uh, love to uh, hear from you. Uh, now, look, to guide us through our discussion today, we're actually joined by uh, Pastor Hugh Heenan. And uh, Hugh's actually pastor of the uh, Trinity Gardens and uh, Church here in Adelaide and also the Faith Adventist Centre, with two two lovely churches mm. in this part of the world. Now, welcome to you, Hugh. Hugh. Oh, it's great to be with you, Gary, and uh, thanks for the intro, and you are absolutely right. You know, here in the beautiful Adelaide, we do have these two lovely churches, and uh, yeah, wonderful to, to mix and mingle with the community around them as well, and especially here on the airwaves too, and I guess uh, uh, it's great to join you in setting a, a great and wholesome environment as we talk about the environment on air. I think so. In fact, I think this might be the first time we've actually worked together. I tell you what, I think it is, and you know, it's been a long time coming, but uh, you know, with anticipation and expectation. Expectation comes great delight and joy. So, indeed, indeed. Yeah. We, we've actually got a lovely team of we've got mm. about uh, ten or a dozen people that rotate around That's through right. the through the various week. And you tend to be on uh, Thursdays yourself mm-hmm. and Fabiano. Uh, right. I tend to be on Tuesday and Wednesday, so we miss each other's uh, company. But uh, yeah. today, of course, Fabiano can't. So that's right. Uh, I, you know, here uh, here I am. How and, I ta- and I tell you what, it takes a very special person to break up such a dynamic duo and, <laughs> and to add to it. And uh, <laughs> so you, you've done well, indeed. Indeed. Mm. Now, I know your ministry is very greatly appreciated. Uh, how are you enjoying our return to winter? 
<laughs> yes, it's a very interesting season, this season of spring in Adelaide, isn't it? Oh, I yes, tell you what. I mean, like a yo-yo. Uh, two days ago, I'm wandering around in shirt sleeves. <laughs> uh, I've got uh, T-shirts on, and uh, today I'm back in my jumper again, my winter <laughs> willies, and, uh, yes. uh, you know, oh, amazing, <laughs> absolutely amazing. True. Uh, but anyway, look, let's come to our uh, World Watch uh, segment. Now, of course, I've got a, uh, an article that I picked up once again from the uh, Christian Headlines uh, site, and, and this one was talking about loneliness, and I just mm. love to get your your feedback on on this particular uh, subject. I think it's so relevant to the world in which we're living. Yeah. Uh, the The title is Addressing the Loneliness Epidemic and American Anxiety. Well, I don't think it's just Americans who are, have, got ang- have become anxious, but I think a certain number of Australians have as well. This is what the article says. Rex Kalubra is a Wisconsin diver who has developed a unique relationship with a wild smallmouth bass fish. He named Elvis Colubra was ex- uh, exploring a lake in 2021 when all these fish were coming up to me, he said. Uh, I noticed that one was sticking closer than the rest. When he returned to the lake a few weeks later, he bought some a crawfish snacks for his new friend. <laughs> Since then, mm. he's been he has visited Elvis about a dozen times, documenting their reunion for a hundred and seventy-four thousand TikTok followers. Amazing! Oh wow! Uh, he's completely obsessed with me. Calubra says he follows me around and just stares at me in the eyes. Skeptics might wonder how the diver knows Elvis from other fish, but he says the fish has a unique mouth disfigurement, uh, likely from a fishing hook. Colubra uh, refers to Elvis as my underwater lover and my buddy beneath the waves. In November 2022, and this is the part that jumped out at me, in, in his Instagram post, he says... My closest friend on earth is a fish. Now, it, the article continues. Um, New York Times columnist uh, David French reports that between 1990 and 2021, the percentage of Americans reported that they had no close friends had quadrupled. Almost half of all Americans surveyed reported having uh, three close friends or less. Mm. A half. That's a, that's a huge number. What is the source of our discontent? Our political divisiveness, says the article, is one factor. About 65% of us say we always or feel exhausted when thinking about politics. Rising crime and violence is another. Uh, Target has closed nine stores in uh, four states because of rampant crime, for example. Financial fears is another contributor. The markets have been falling in September, as they often do. Uh, on uh, in this part of the uh, uh, the year, as a reflection of our culture, our music is getting sadder. Gen Z loneliness is so bad that some young adults are spending thousands of dollars trying to make friends through social clubs and gym membership. Gym uh, research shows that people who are socially disconnected have a 29% higher risk of heart disease and a 32% greater risk of stroke and a 50% increased risk of dementia for older adults. 
according to a recent advisory uh, from the U.S. Surgeon General's office, loneliness can increase the risk of premature death as much as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Mm. Here's what I think's going on. Our secularized worldview is victimizing us, Gerald Baker said. It is well. Uh, it, it was said well in the Wall Street Journal this week. Over the past 30 years, the values of the Judeo-Christian belief that inspired and sustained Western civilization and culture for centuries have been steadily replaced in, uh, replaced uh, in a moral, cultural and political revolution of the postmodern ascendancy. But the contradictions and implausibilities inherent in this successor creed have become increasingly exposed. Uh, we were made for relationship. Uh, uh, says the author, with God and each other. This is why St. Augustine's famous prayer, our heart is restless until it rests in you, strikes such an invocative uh, chord uh, in our souls. And it's why Satan does all he can to lead us into sin, knowing that it will drive us away from God and from each other. Now that we are living in a culture that rejects the very notion of sin, our enemy must be very pleased. Uh, when there are no speed limits, no markers, no guardrails, no crashes, uh, crashes are inevitable. The Belgian author and poet uh, Camerats uh, was right uh, when they said, uh, when men choose not to believe in God, they do not thereafter believe in nothing. Uh, they become capable of but they become capable of believing in anything. You know, this particular article to me really just said so much, uh, so much to me about this entire issue of loneliness. Mm. Now, I suppose, you know, Hugh, to what extent do you think the, you know, the article is correct? Are we facing an epidemic of loneliness? And, you know, to what extent do you believe the, I suppose, the religious uh, community, the societal group, uh, cohesion mm. has actually contributed uh, to that epidemic? Yeah, that's a really interesting question, actually, uh, I think there, Gary, because uh, the truth be told, I mean, you, you're a minister of the gospel, mm. I am as well, and uh, uh, all the way through my gospel ministry, and I'm sure the same is true with you as well, um, as a pastor, you, you encounter a lot of people that are, that are lonely, uh, that are on yeah. the fringes of yeah. society, uh, or feel like they're outcasts in one way or another, or maybe on the, the edges of church, not sure if they're going to find a place in the best community of all, mm. uh, and because they've been rejected everywhere else or in other places, uh, and so... Uh, you know, it's always been part and parcel of of our respective ministries. Mm. But what I am finding, and it, this would be, I think, you know, a, a really good thermometer test, if, if anything, uh, is that over time uh, I'm encountering more and more people like this than mm. ever before. Yeah. You know, as, as a yeah. percentage of those that I encounter with yeah. uh, during the course of any given week yeah. or any given month uh, or those that I might meet uh, even on a Sabbath uh, after community has been had mm. uh, who then just share with me uh, just how, look, I, I, I'm during the week, I just feel so lonely. This is my only yeah. outlet. This is the only yeah. place I find community. Yeah. Or, or in their homes <clears throat> where they, they admit or confess the same. Uh, and so, look, I have to tell you that this is very true. You know, wherever we look around us, it's, it, it is, uh, one of the most sad truths, I think, of our society today. Yeah. Yeah. I know, I know in, in my own ministry, one of the things that I, I suppose is starting to really jump out at me is that, mm. uh, certainly from the time that I first started in ministry, the thing that I I noticed was that certainly seniors, those those 
over a, a certain age, you know, yes. where the uh, you know the partner had passed away, mm-hmm. you know, where family was dispersed around the around the country. Uh, you certainly, uh, I used to have a, a little bit of a list where you'd go and visit uh, those uh, those individuals on mm-hmm. a fairly regular occasion mm-hmm. because uh, you you knew that uh, they didn't get a lot of visits and uh, they were actually yes. quite lonely. Mm-hmm. But what what I'm starting to sense is that that epidemic of loneliness is starting to even push down yes. into the uh, younger age brackets. Very true. Yes. So you're picking the same the I'm, same I'm seeing the same thing. Uh, that's very true. Okay. Um, and I think there's a there's a range of factors that come into play where that's concerned and you've you've already outlined quite a number of them just now. Uh, but even for those who are in relationship, and this is really quite interesting, mm-hmm. in relationship, mm-hmm. maybe even in a marital relationship. Um, but perhaps because they're dinks, dual income, no kids or yeah. maybe uh, and they're trying to just try to be on the the treadmill and get yeah, yeah, to, yeah. get by in life yeah. and they're not spending enough time with each other. They're doing life in parallel. Mm-hmm. Uh, or maybe it is that they they actually have children. Uh, and yet there's a disconnection even in their own home. Yeah. Uh, and so it, it's interesting, uh, or how much time are people actually spending quality time with each other, even mm. when they have opportunity to do so, when they have at their fingertips today so much uh, of seeming or quasi-connection uh, mm. by means of uh, of social media and the like. Uh, and, and so it, it seems that there are many different reasons and factors why people – uh, at all different ages and stages of life, are now impacted by this loneliness epidemic. Uh, and yet that's not how God made us to be, is it? He, he made us for connection. He formed us for friendship. To what extent do you think that, uh, I suppose, the whole electronic media is contributing mm-hmm. to this? Because I'm conscious that, you know, I mean, as, uh, you know, mm-hmm. for, you know, on Facebook, you know, we are more connected than ever before, and yet yeah. you're getting a loneliness epidemic. You know, the two are, seem to be almost contradiction in terms. Yes, yes. Well, it's a little bit like, you know, think about it. In these terms, perhaps, you know, I was just talking to someone the other day and they said to me, what's effective within your body to treat a certain, uh, it's interesting what can get asked in Basel Ministry, yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. what's effective in your body um, to, to counteract something that they were having that was... Uh, uh, that was call- causing them a malady or, or some sort of discomfort physically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we got talking about analogs. <clears throat> and I said to them, look, y- you know, when it comes to medications, when it comes to certain vitamins, when it comes, well, certain, certain, um, uh, key core ingredients, uh, active ingredients that the body needs, minerals and so on, uh, that you have analogs the body can't fully absorb. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what we're facing when it comes to relationships is something similar where we have something that's analogous to relationship, but is not relationship. Mm. And so it has all the hallmarks, and yet it, it takes the form, but it doesn't have the substance. It's empty. Uh, it's a bit like an empty calorie. Uh, and, and and so what do, what are you left with? You, mm. You're left with thinking that you have connected, but in reality, you, you've not connected at all. Yeah. Uh, and and you've actually been spending time by yourself. And hours later, who have you really connected with, eyeball to eyeball? I mean, right now, some of the two least loneliness. Lonely people in the world are Gary and myself because we're sitting here looking at each other <laughs> across this desk. And I would encourage our listeners, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, find yeah. someone to spend time like uh, like this with. Yeah. Uh, and and I'm I'm glad that you're tuning in with us uh, and at least feeling connected uh, with the sound of our voice. There's something about the voice yeah. that really connects, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but there's also something about being in person and in community with yeah. people. Yeah. yeah. And, and, so uh, really and to me, to me, into community, into church. Yeah. yeah. No. Look, I, I really think that's mm. what you've actually said there is so important. Yeah. You know, this idea of. Uh, coming into a, 
a worshipful community. You know, to, yes. to me, I'm just so conscious that you know, church has attended to be be replaced. You know, I mean, pe- <laughs> yes. not as many people are going along yes. to church these days. And yes, mm-hmm. I mean, okay, church has been a place of of teaching where people dig into the Bible, all those sorts mm-hmm. of things. But mm-hmm. it's also a place of relationship. Yes, and I think people actually overlook that reality. I know that you know, at, at our church, we have mm-hmm. a, a church lunch. Uh, well, every week except this coming week, but. Um, we have a church lunch every single week, and we actually have normally in the the low hundred, you know, about a hundred, hundred and ten people at, at at our church most week. But mm. for our church lunch, we will have seventy five or eighty percent of those people will actually stay for our church oh, lunch. How wonderful, is and that? Uh, yeah. it, it is fantastic. The hall is totally mm. crowded, but for people to be able to sit mm-hmm. in small groups and just talk and listen, mm. it really, in many ways, you know, people have said to me, "This is the highlight." Light of our week, and yes. I sort of say, "Hey, what about the sermon you've just heard there?" You know, um, but this is the highlight of the week, and you sort yeah. of say, "Hey, it's not the only thing about mm. church, mm. but it's a really key portion." Yes. And I, I, I think I like like you would actually encourage people to mm. say, "Hey, look, you know." If you're feeling um, a little bit flat, why not seek out, yes. you know, a community of faith, you know, somewhere, you know, around around where you you are actually living. Yeah, that's so true, and you know, it, it reminds me. I think that uh, what people are most hungering for, or hunger for, at the table is the connection, the community that accompanies the food. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we often sort of hunger for, or long for, the times where you sat around or underneath grandma's table, <clears throat> and uh, or maybe in the kitchen and took in the sights and sounds. Or maybe we whimpered at the stove, or whatever yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah, those those are very precious memories, and they stick with us through life. Yeah. Uh, but we can have that in community with each other yeah. in God's family, where there are the grandmas and the grandpas and the dozens and dozens of cousins and uncles and aunties of faith. It's a great place to be. Exactly. Yeah, and of course, not just in church, <clears throat> but also um, when you're doing church uh, in your household. Uh, mm. Because you know, there's a great saying that you know what your kids um, uh, what your kids want for dinner most of all is you. Exactly. Yeah. So exactly. you yeah, really encourage folk to to look for community, and if you're not sure where to find community, um, I, I know a great church in Brighton. Whereabouts is that church? <laughs> ah, Amelia Street Hove. That's Amelia Street yeah. Hove. And there's another one over at Trinity Gardens. Well, isn't that that is true. That is true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. both both serve a great lunch. Are, are they serve? Yes. Marvelous. <laughs> uh, guys, look. Let's come to some music. This Wonderful. is uh, uh, Annie McLeod. Uh, the signs of the times. Love uh, uh, love the words of uh, of this particular. Uh, of this particular song. Please, uh, please enjoy. Daily in the papers War rumbles in the land Global insecurity And finance troubles man A papal call Revelation 
that was uh, Andy uh, McLeod. Signs of the times, and goodness me, if there aren't signs in the times in our world today that are really saying where our world is heading, uh, then uh, uh, then f- folks, we are we are missing something something big. Uh, really appreciated what uh, what Andy was uh, singing on that particular occasion. And look, we want to say a really big uh, shout out too uh, to one of our listeners. Just uh, uh, text us in to uh, to say that they're listening to us from Broome up there in uh, in West Oz. Uh, we'd like to say a really big shout out to our our mates up in uh, up in Broome. I'm actually uh, next year. I'm actually taking 12 months off. I'm going to be doing the grey nomads thing, and uh, I'm actually uh, going to be uh, passing through, uh, spending a little bit of time up there in uh, uh, up there in Broome. So mm. I, I'm looking forward to uh, uh, to, to touching base with. Uh, with folks up uh, in that part of the world. Mm. Uh, now, look, guys, we do have a giveaway book today, and uh, the giveaway book's entitled uh, There Is An Answer. Uh, now, this is a really beautiful little book, um, and uh, it's written by uh, Angelo uh, Bullon. Uh, now, throughout human history, human beings have looked for answers to diverse questions to their daily life, uh, which is our greatest need as human beings. Uh, where do we come from and where are we going? Now, why is there so much suffering? Is it possible to be happy? What does happen after you after you die? Uh, these these questions. So many are looking for looking for answers. Uh, this book is simply entitled "There Is an Answer." I believe you'll greatly appreciate uh, this book. Now, this is our free giveaway uh, for uh, uh, for this week. Uh, now, uh, if, if you'd like uh, your own copy of this book, uh, all you need to do is to text us. Now, our studio text number again is 04888811. and the code is SA139. Now, that's SA139, five digits just in a row. Don't put any gap between the SA and the 139 because it goes through to our robot and he's all programmed to have five digits only. And uh, if you put more, uh, if you put a space in there, he can't understand it. That's how intelligent our robot is. We've got one of the cheap, <laughs> one of the cheap robots. Uh, SA139 04888. 80811 is that number and uh, we would love to be able to send you this book uh, We uh, there is an answer our robot will ask you a couple of uh, questions uh, so that we can get this book to you in the fastest way possible you won't be uh, hounded by any uh, any people so uh, please uh, why not go for uh, having a look at uh, a look at this book now, folks, you are listening to Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with uh, Pastor Gary. And to guide us through our discussion, we're actually uh, joined uh, today by Pastor Hugh Heenan. And uh, this week we've been following the theme, the Bible, the church and the environment. Uh, you know, right, I'm just so conscious that uh, uh, in our world there is so much said about the environment, but it comes from a, a political perspective. Uh, but today we want to ask that question. Question: uh, What does it mean to be a faithful environmental steward? Now, mm. you know, Hugh. One of the things I'm just really <laughs> conscious of is that we, you know, we have um, been talking this week, and we've been pointing out some of the real problems with environmental type, uh, with a uh, political type solutions to the environmental issue. Um, mm. But uh, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be faithful. Evangel- uh, a faithful environmental stewards. After all, our God did 
create this world. So mm. what does it actually mean to be a, a faithful environmental steward? Mm. Well, that's a really good question, and I think it's an important one for us to consider because it has so much of a flow-on effect to not only our own personal lives, but uh, you know the the entire environment, of course, uh, and ecology all around us, and naturally uh, to the impact that that has, negative and positive, upon the people in our lives, uh, both those near in proximity uh, to us, but also those at a great distance from us that we can't even see, but nonetheless, butterfly effect like, are going to bear the ramifications of the decisions we personally make uh, and so we do have incumbent upon us uh, you know, the the responsibility to take care of the only home that we have and ultimately of course that's this world that God gave us and I find that an amazing thought just by the way I think Gary because to think that <clears throat> we, we think of a of a home as being a a bit of a sterile environment, mm. you know, but mm-hmm. uh, one that's sort of cut off from the world, mm. uh, made from the stuff of the world. But God says, "I've made you to be actually a living part of the world." So this mm. this this place of uh, variegated color and sound and light and uh, it's just just uh, all the different species that exist upon the planet. It's an amazing place to live in and to be a part of and not just to to look at out our window but to be actually living amongst. It's a beautiful picture, isn't it? And, you yeah. know, I know myself, you know, one of the things I love mm. doing is when I go for my walk of the morning, mm. I actually don't like walking with a headset or something on. Yeah. I actually like to actually walk uh, just so I can hear. I can hear the yes. birds chirping. I can hear the sulfur-crested cockatoos with all mm. the raucous noise that they, that they do make. Yes. And there's something very beautiful. Beautiful about that. I oh, love being able to go down is. the beach and and being able to fish down there, and uh, at the at the same time to actually mm. listen to uh, to the sounds around me. Yeah, no, that, that's our true. God is good. Our God is so good, and, and yet it's it's interesting to to note that not everyone considers that uh, the Christian impact or influence upon the world has been a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, what does it mean to be a faithful environmental steward? There were those who would suggest that actually Christians have been the exact opposite of that. So mm-hmm. I want to just touch upon first of all, perhaps yep, uh, yep. a bit of controversy. A bit yep. of a creative yep. controversy, pardon the pun, but one that's uh, sort of asks the question: Is the church actually to blame for humanity's uh, environmental record? Uh, and to some extent, it, it, it is. You know, it's an inconvenient truth, and I, I, I know that I do this hesitantly, but uh, it's an inconvenient truth, not just for the planet, but also for the Christian church, because you know, in 1967 at Stanford, uh, there was a very famous uh, uh, article which was published by the UCLA history professor Lynn White Jr. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this article was uh, called The Historical Roots of Our Ecological Crisis. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he says there, in essence, uh, this. He said that the world's devastatingly destructive attitudes towards nature were shaped by the Judeo-Christian religion. Now, there are those who are listening today who might think, what? What are you talking about? Uh, and, and I would agree with you. Um, but in, this is what the professor had to say. Um, he suggests that Christianity not only established man as superior to nature, but insisted that it is God's will that humanity exploit nature, that we mm. solely use it to serve our own purposes. Now, this really sent a shockwave through the Christian church back mm-hmm. in the 60s, mm-hmm. uh, and it's part of what <clears throat> has uh, uprooted people's confidence in the church, amongst other things, uh, in the last uh, several decades, uh, especially when it was realized that that uh, Professor White was actually using Genesis to substantiate his claim. Mm. Uh, and so he was using this verse here in Genesis one twenty eight. He said, uh, the Bible says, God blessed them, speaking of man, and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth, 
earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And so in other words, Professor White suggests here that, that man was to dominate and God was saying to man, go out and dominate, subdue the earth, put it under the sole of your foot and every creature on the face of it. Now, admittedly, and very sadly, Professor White was right in one sense. Mm-hmm. And the one sense he was right about was that the Christian church in the Middle Ages held within its womb, as it were, the cherished belief that mankind had been given this planet to subdue and mm-hmm. to master and that nature has no reason for existence except to serve humanity. Mm-hmm. And this is actually the belief that that made its way uh, and navigated through the, the Enlightenment and the Renaissance and so on, all the way through to the Industrial Revolution. It gave birth to it in many respects. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> and the same attitude behind of the Industrial Revolution and the rampant destruction of the last 100, 150 years, or if you want to go back to the first Industrial Revolution, you could say the last couple of centuries. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, the, the fact is, that there were attitudes within the church and within Western culture, um, not not solely in Western culture, uh, I should hasten to add, but that were present there nonetheless that did lead to this this rampant misuse of the environment. Do you think that came from a misunderstanding of the scriptures? Well, I think it really did because you know the church may have been partly to blame back in those times for its attitude, uh, and that's led to our environmental woes. But was it God's intention, you know, for us to exploit and destroy the earth? And I, I would I would give an you know, an exclamatory no. It was mm, never God's intention mm, for that. Mm. And as you rightly pointed out before, Gary, God is our creator God. I mean, it makes no sense that God would create the world mm. and and consistently say, it is good. This yeah. is good. Yeah. Yeah. And then to hand it over to someone and then say, now go and squash it, crush it, destroy it, do everything you can to despoil it, that makes no sense at all, does it? Uh, and so, and particularly also, I think, when you consider that, 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 um, uh, how much God feels for this planet. Uh, because inherent in that word good is this idea of it's excellent. Mm. It is so beautiful. I think one of our previous uh, speakers earlier this week actually made a really interesting point. He actually <coughs> talked about the uh, reality that, because he also spoke <coughs> a little bit about that uh, that statement, and he suggested that what you've actually got there is a, a statement made by God uh, to a pristine world before man had actually sinned. <coughs> yes, uh, that's right. But then when sin came into the world, the nature of mankind actually uh, actually changed so that uh, whereas previously he was able to care for God's incredible uh, uh, creation as God had intended, mm. once sin comes in, you start to get the fruit of the flesh coming yes, in and you get true. this idea to uh, he's able to despoil the uh, mm-hmm. the earth and yes. I found that a really interesting little little point that he yeah, made. I think it's very enlightening actually because I think it's very true. The scriptures make it very clear that that's the case, uh, point of fact because you know, like you've said in other words before our, even before our ancestors were created when everything was pristine and good you know, God looks at each and every part of nature and he sees that in his own right it's intrinsically worthy of existence, mm-hmm. it's intrinsically mm-hmm. worthy of admiration for how it's been made by him as the creator. Um, and so when God comes along and he makes us, he makes us with a very special purpose in mind. It wasn't to despoil, but rather instead it was to protect. It mm-hmm. was to cherish and to nurture. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's made us, in actual point of fact, to be his representatives within this natural world that he himself has made and has made to have intrinsic worth. Mm-hmm. And so we come across this wonderful statement, famous statement, also in Genesis chapter 1, now in verse 26, where he says, Then God said, Let us make man 
man in our image, in our likeness. Let them rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. But then he goes on to say, so God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, this is what we read before, you know, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea, birds of the air, over every living creature that moves on the ground. So it is repeated, but you've got to ask yourself, what's the emphasis? What's the mm. intention behind that emphasis? And then he says this. He says, then God said, I give you. <clears throat> so it's a statement of generosity, mm. um, not of r- rapaciousness. He says, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth, every tree that has fruit with seed in it, they'll be yours for food. And all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. And, and so you know, God is saying here, I cherish every life form upon the earth, Mm. Uh, every breath, every pulse Mm. um, that uh, is contained within my creation, and I give it food to sustain it. I Mm. want it to live. Um, And so God has made us also then to represent him, a bit like a statue. A king would make a statue to represent his kingdom and say, well, I'm the king of this place and this kingdom, I'm representing it. God's saying, um, he's saying, I'm not going to make a statue. I'm going to make an animate uh, enthusiastic caretaker for my creation that will represent me. So if anyone were to wander in this, this earth that I have made, when they meet a human being, they'll say, wow, so this, this is someone that represents the king of this kingdom, the mm. creator of this creation. Uh, and uh, so he has asked us to treat this planet as he would treat that, this planet mm. um, with the love and respect that he made us. He wants us to, you know, pass that on to the planet as well. I want you to notice that it was originally God's plan, get this, for both us and every other animal that has breath to eat plants and not each other. Now, some might say, oh, there you go, vegetarianism and veganism and all the rest of the isms. Look, yes, it, it has its place and it's it's about our health and so on, but I want to take it right back to brass tacks and just think for a second. God's basically saying here, I don't want you to take each other's lives. I want you to cherish each other. Mm. I want you to love each other and respect and care for That's each other. Powerful. That's powerful. That's powerful. Yeah. yeah, no. yeah. Um, and, and it's only fitting then, I think, that because after all, the land and every other creature upon the face of the earth and we ourselves, we're all made of the same substance. I don't know if our listeners have picked up on this in Genesis, but we're all created by the same God and from the same substance. So, for example, Genesis one twenty four, it says, God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds. Um, Genesis 2.19 says, now the Lord had formed out of the ground all the beasts of the field, all the birds of the air. Uh, Genesis 2.7, and the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being being and in fact you know the word that's used there for you know for man is adam Mm -hmm. um and it's uh, it comes from adama you know adam or adam meaning man and adama meaning the earth or or the ground uh and so we are intrinsically interconnected and interrelated and interdependent you could say one with each other and we've been designed designed that way um in our relationship with the earth but also with every creature Mm. upon the earth mm. uh, we cannot live in a way that would seem to suggest <clears throat> that uh, that we can just willy-nilly treat you know the the rest of creation any which way we want and it's not going to have an impact upon us it certainly will um, but then we come across well i guess something else that's important here is that you know, professor white coming back to to that 
that uh, that mm, gentleman of the sixties. Mm, mm. He was saying that the word subdue was all about domination and despoiling and plundering and using to our own ends. Um, but in actual fact, you know that that word there that was used um, is a word that uh, implies instead. It's actually the word abad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it means to to work or to serve. <clears throat> so actually to work in the service of the earth and, and subdue, it has multiple meanings, doesn't it, even in English? You know, uh, sometimes I remember uh, there was a time where I had held a bird in my hand and it was so afraid it was quivering mm. and mm. I subdued it. Mm. That didn't mean I squashed it or I took its life or something. No, not at all. The exact opposite. You yeah. know, I, I, I gently held it until it was completely at peace and it knew it was safe. Mm. Um, I remember when I was studying at seminary that I'd never seen so much wildlife that would just come up to you yeah. uh, or around you yeah. because they knew that everyone on that campus cared about it. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, and this is what God wanted us to, to do uh, with the creation around us. Uh, and, and so rather than dominating, uh, subduing really means to, um, <clears throat> to uh, improve or bless or to serve uh, the best interest of the creation around us. And then you come to Genesis 2 a bit further on in verse 15, and it says that the Lord God took the man and he put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Um, now, the word that's used there is shama. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now, it's, uh, oftentimes it was translated to keep it, and mm-hmm. some people thought, oh, well, that means you know to possess it, to keep it, to control it. Um, <clears throat> but in actual fact, as it's translated in many modern versions today, it means to take care of it. In fact, even to exercise great care mm-hmm. uh, over it, um, to take care of, to guard, to watch over, uh, to protect, uh, to maintain, um, so that it will be in as good or better condition uh, than when it was first received. Uh, and so, you know, when God comes along, we can say, "Hey, look what look what I've done here." That's a huge commission, isn't it? I it mean, is. this is a commission by somebody who loves yes. us and loves His world and is giving an a, an amazing work mm. to us. Mm. Uh, and and I love that point that you make that uh, you know originally uh, we were not commissioned to destroy each other. No. You know, we were actually created as vegetable eaters. Yes. Uh, how beautiful that really is. <laughs> yes. 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 True. True. Uh, and, and so we, 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 when, when God comes along and he, he looks at this, how we've treated, um, as stewards of, uh, this creation and the commission he's given to us, um, he wants to be able to come along and, and be able to congratulate us and say, you know what? I didn't just make this and then just give it to you. I gave it for you to, for your enjoyment. Mm. And so for your further creativity and your further refinement. Uh, and, and so that, uh, it would be in as good or better condition than when you received it. Uh, and, uh, and so, for example, when we come across to Genesis 9, uh, and we talk now about Noah, uh, all those centuries later, uh, we come across the fact that God blessed Noah, he blessed his sons, and he said to them, this is verses 1 and 2, he says, be fruitful and multiply. There's those words again. Uh, and fill the earth. And then he says something interesting. He says, The fear of you, the dread of you, shall be on every beast of the earth, every bird of the air, and all that move on the ground, all the fish of the sea, they are given into your hand. Now, this is interesting because it would seem to indicate that, just like you were saying before, man had changed. Mm. Yeah. So it wasn't God's intention that had changed, and it wasn't that God was saying, creation will be scared of me. He was saying, creation is going to be scared of you. Mm. Yeah, but I want you to be fruitful and to multiply, to fill the earth. <clears throat> and so, uh, and of course, if we've got a commission from God to fill the earth, it's not to fill it with fear. Mm. 
but rather it's to fill it with with faith, to fill it with peace, to fill it with joy and his love. Uh, and so Noah and his sons were to were to live and 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 act in a way that would be in the best interest of creation around them. But sadly, of course, many of their descendants have done exactly what God prophesied here that they would do. They brought fear and dread uh, and, to and creation. And that is where the a huge difference starts to kick in. Look, mm. let's just uh, stop at that point. Let's come yeah. to some music. This is uh, uh, this is uh, I love this particular rendition of uh, "For the Beauty of the Earth." Let's just mm. say thank you to our God for what He has actually given uh, to us. Uh, please, uh, please, please enjoy. <laughs>
That was Eclipse 6 uh, for the beauty uh, of the earth. And indeed, uh, we can th- say thank you to our God for the beauty, for the, the, the incredible uh, world which we're living in. Uh, now, look, guys, we do have a giveaway book today. That giveaway book is entitled uh, There is an Answer. And uh, this, uh, this book uh, answers some of the really big questions uh, that, uh, that, face, uh, that face humanity. Uh, is it possible to, to believe in a God? Where do we actually come from? Where are we going? Why is there pain, suffering and death? How do you explain it? Can you explain it? Is it possible to explain it? Can God change my life? Is it possible to be happy, living longer and better? Uh, is it uh, what, what happens when a person dies? That's a really big one. Uh, look, guys, this this book is a real little ripper. You'll love uh, this uh, this book. And uh, now, look, if you would like your your own copy of of this book, uh, all you need to do is to uh, text us. Now, our studio text number uh, is oh four triple eight eight oh eight eleven oh four triple eight. 80811 and all you need to do is to send us our code our drive time uh, offer code SA139 today that's five digits in a row SA139 and uh, when we receive that uh, that text it'll go through to our, our robot uh, he'll come back to you ask you just a couple of questions uh, so that uh, we can uh, get these uh, get this uh, book to you in the fastest way possible you'll love uh, this particular book. Now, folks, you are listening to Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with uh, Pastor Gary. And guiding us through our discussion today uh, is Pastor Hugh Heenan. And uh, Hugh, our pastor's here in Adelaide, uh, does a fantastic job. Got some lovely churches. Uh, this week, uh, we're following the theme, the Bible, the church, and the environment. And this week, uh, we're, we're asking... Um, this week we've been asking, um, uh, dealing with this question, what does it mean uh, to be a faithful environmental steward? Uh, I'm wondering, um, can, can you possibly, Hugh, um, bring this? We've got about 10 minutes, you know, fairly practical. How yes. can I, as an individual, uh, be uh, a faithful environmental steward? Yes, I, 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 let's do it in, try and do it in five minutes. How, okay, that? that'd, be lovely. Be that'd be lovely. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> All right, so just really quickly, one of the ways that, that God has already hinted at, in fact, he's, he's even given a command about, he's even exemplified for us, um, is that his original intention is best exemplified, I think, in what he did at the end of the creation week. Mm-hmm. So he gets to the end of the creation week, and at the culmination of that, he says, this is how I wish for you to care for it. I want you to memorialize creation. I want you to remember that I made it. I want you to remember your origins. And I want you to recall uh, the importance of taking care of this world with which your destiny is so closely interlinked. Um, and so, and the one, of course, who made it, um, who is determined or, or has, has made possible your destiny. Um, and so uh, he gives us the Sabbath at the end of that six-day creation. There was the seventh day. I want you to enjoy <clears throat> my creation. Mm. You know, I, I think this is such a beautiful gift because what we've got here is a God who is who is prepared to say, hey, I don't want you to be working 24-7. Mm. I want you to actually take time yeah. to sit back and... And enjoy. Mm. And in fact, you know, even in what he says in Genesis 1 and verses 31 through to Genesis 2 verse 3, so several verses there, um, he says that God saw all. And I want you to notice it doesn't say God saw man. It said he saw all. Mm. 
mm-hmm. that he had made, not just us. We, we're so anthropocentric. We're so me-centered, they, aren't we? They, so self-centered. Um, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And, and there was evening, there was morning, the sixth day, and thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. But what's the point of you know completion unless there's also um, consummation and enjoyment and celebration? Uh, and so by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. And so on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And if that's good enough for God, it's mm. good enough for us. To mm. rest, we'll also rest with him and rest in creation. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. And so from the outset, there, God's st- stepping back and going, wow. You know, beautiful, it's so good. And uh, I want you to enjoy it with me. Uh, and uh, so from the very first full and complete day that we walk the earth, God asks us to rest and reflect upon this wonderful world um, in which we live and the wonderful God who gave us this unspeakably great gift mm. you know, of creation. Uh, and then, but get this, he doesn't stop there. In a very practical way, when he calls his people out of the nations, once we'd sort of begun to uh, go astray and treat creation badly, that God calls to himself a people. And he says, come, 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 come. I want you to gather close. Um, and again, he reminds them, care for, respect mm. each other, respect the earth also. And and he says to them, he says, every seventh year and every 50th year that they were to rest the land. There, there's that principle again, from all the forms of agricultural work and allow it time to recover. Today we talk about agricultural work, but also talk about industrial work. We also talk about the other forms of um, uh, of economy as well. Mm. Uh, and <clears throat> he says, give it time to recover. He says this in Leviticus 25. He says, for six years, sow your fields. For six years, prune your vineyards and gather their crops. So enjoy it, make the most of it. But then he says in the Seventh year, the land is to have a Sabbath of rest, and so not just you. Mm. It's not all about you. I want the I want all my creation to have a time of rest, a Sabbath to the Lord. Do not sow your fields or prune your vineyards. The fiftieth year shall be a jubilee for you. Do not sow. Do not reap what grows of itself or harvest the untended vines. Now, in other words, <clears throat> God is saying here. He's saying, yes, I gave you the weekly Sabbath at the beginning to always remind you of where mm. you came from mm. and to nurture uh, the home that I've given to you and which in which I wish to inhabit and to dwell with you in it um, and be close with you. But also, <clears throat> when they went astray, he gave them redemptive annual mm. Sabbaths mm. or yearly Sabbaths where, uh, that were closely intertwined with sacrifices that pointed forward to the one who was to come, to the Lamb of God who mm. takes away the sins of the world yeah. and that he would give his life to redeem us but also the creation that groans under the weight of sin mm. and wants to be delivered and restored back to its original glory and pristine beauty. And so so God is saying, I want, to, I want you to remember it's not just about you, it's not just about the past and what's been lost but what's going to be regained, and the part that you can play in that with me. It's ultimately only possible through me, God says, but I want you to have the joy of partnering with me in Mm. looking after this creation. And in one of the ways he does this, he says it's closely intertwined, and God is such a a reasonable, very intelligent God, isn't he? And you'd expect that of someone who's truly God. Because in Deuteronomy, when we get there in chapter 15 and verse 1, he says this, at the end of every seven years... Remember the same seven-year cycle we've been talking about with regard to the earth having rest? Mm, mm. He says you must cancel debts. You know, one of the biggest problems in the world today and one of the major causes and reasons for the despoiling and plundering of the earth is that many in the underdeveloped or developing world are trying to repay debts that go back generations Mm. uh, to developed nations uh, and to to others, uh, and their governments are impoverished. 
And the only way they think they can get out of it is by despoiling, plundering, and uh, laying waste to the resources they have under their feet. Meanwhile, other people are building up huge resources, and of course they're plundering the earth in order uh, to become more wealthy. Yeah, that's right. Very much so. And, And so what we find here... <clears throat> is that God was outlining these principles that we're only just catching on about again when we talk about development and international development and about uh, uh, resource care and about uh, uh, making sure we're being uh, uh, ethical in the way that we treat others, uh, particularly the most impoverished and so on. Uh, God is saying from the outset, he's saying, look, here are some sound, sensible principles of conservation um, and preservation and they're the earliest ever recorded of the sort is what mm. we find here. Uh, in the Torah or in Leviticus and in Deuteronomy. Um, and so God's plan is not for this planet to be harmed. Um, he wants healing for this planet. Mm. And he gives us a role in being those who are engaged in doing so. And it can be just so, such simple things from what we do with our refuse, um, you know, do we compost it? Uh, maybe it might be to do with, you know, are we recycling? Uh, you know, are we you know, engaged in water conservation on one of the driest continents on the planet here in Australia, for example? Uh, and many other simple things like this. But also, are we acting ethically in, in the way that we consume and, and consume the resources of the earth mm-hmm. and the the, pres- the economic pressures that we place as a society upon the most impoverished, the most vulnerable amongst us on the planet, in perhaps in other countries. Uh, and, and, and so God wants, he's created us and he's created our world and all of us together to prosper together. And he holds us really responsible for what we do in this regard and to this wonderful world that he's given to us. Um, and, and so, you know, with regards to, you know, how we... Deal with the land. Do we give it rest? How do we sell it? Uh, how do we possess it and own it? Um, do we acknowledge God as our ultimate owner? You know, are we generous to others? Uh, do we not exploit the poor? Uh, all of this is actually closely interwoven into the whole question of the environment. So it's actually, it, on one hand, it's one great big messy ball of yarn. It's a, a lifestyle, pers- isn't it? <clears throat> it is, from a human perspective. Yeah. But from a divine perspective, when we see through God's eyes, we can see hope and we can see a plan and a process by which we can be a part of the solution rather than the problem. Mm. Um, now, the ultimate solution is, I think, something we're going to cover in tomorrow's program. Indeed. So Indeed. I'll leave it to our, our guests tomorrow to talk about that. Yeah. But God has a hope for the future, and you won't want to miss that, of course. Of course, of yeah. course. Yeah. Hugh, really appreciate what it is that you've actually been sharing sharing there. I think you've tied that together so, so beautifully. Uh, uh, folks, um, it does look like our time's up for today. Uh, thank you so much for uh, joining with uh, Pastor Gary, Pastor Hugh Heenan on Drive Time, big Q&A. Uh, please join us tomorrow when uh, Nick Reader and uh, Tracy uh, Papandreou is going to be joining us as they look at the question, could it be better to start again? And we're going to be looking, as Hugh has intimated, at the brand new start that God is going to be bringing to this world. Really look forward to your being with us then. But until tomorrow, please remember, Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God abundantly bless you. Mm. This program has been made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. 